My favorite line in that whole little video, probably because it relates to what I'm talking about today, but I love it when he said, we're in the presence of greatness. We're in the presence of greatness. And if you guys were here with us, all through January, we did a whole series on what is greatness. And if you remember, Jesus obviously is the greatest one who ever lived. And what the scripture tells us, it's he's great because he was the servant of all. And so, man, moms, thank you so much for that. So when we think about greatness, how many of you have ever been in the, like, the presence of greatness? I immediately, when I think about that, when I was in my early 20s, I was working with high school kids doing uh, youth ministry back in Ohio, and I grabbed a, a, a van load of kids, and we went to this thing called DC 88, and it was this huge youth rally where there were thousands of kids in, in Washington, DC. And, um, and one night, <clears throat> when, we, when we got there, we found out that President Reagan and Nancy Reagan were going to be coming to our meeting. And I remember, I just wasn't that politically inclined. I'm 23 years old, and I was like, oh, that'll be kind of cool to see the president. So I'm sitting there with no high expectation, and that was the weirdest thing. When he walked in the room, it's like somebody lifted me out of my seat. And next thing you know, I'm, 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 you know I just thought, man, I'd be like this. I was like, you know, I was like, I, I couldn't. It was just the presence of the President Reagan and Nancy walking in that room. There was greatness in there. And I found myself moved when I wasn't expecting it. I remember the first time I went to the Grand Canyon. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Right? Now that, when you get to the Grand Canyon for the first time, now the word awesome makes sense, right? It is unbelievable. And the second time I went, about three years later, I thought, well, this will be nice. I get to see the Grand Canyon again. You know, I didn't have any expectations at all. And I remember parking my car, walking over to the rim, and looking out, and it happened again. That's when you know something is just great. How many of you, when you get away from the city, and you get out in the mountains, and you just gaze into the galaxy? It's just great. And it's awesome. You know, there's an argument for the existence of God that actually is based on some of these things that we experience in life that we call great. In fact, many of us, all of us, not many of us, all of us as human beings are pursuing things that we think are great. They're things that we actually believe are going to fulfill us, and we find ourselves, though, on a constant search. No matter how great something is, no matter how good your job is, no matter how much money you make, no matter how, much you, how many friends you have, there never seems to be enough. And the question is, why is it that on earth we can't seem to be fully satisfied? Why do we always want more? And the answer that the Bible tells us is because we were made for more. Why is it that I can't be satisfied? Because everything on this planet rises up within me. It stirs something within me that actually points. It's like a signpost pointing me to something greater. Now, for today's message, because we're in this series on heaven, we're in the second to the last message on heaven. There's two key things that we're going to talk about. And what's interesting is they're key core things that every human being searches for. Okay? The first one is this. Life. What wouldn't you do to live? Now, physically, 
We'll do anything. There's a survival instinct within us. If you feel like you're gonna lose your life, everything rises up within you and you seek to save it. So just your physical life matters. And there's a word in the Greek language for that type of life, but there's another word for life that every single one of us is seeking after, and that is this fullness of life. There's something in every human being that goes, I want to feel fully alive. I want to feel like I've found my purpose. I want to have satisfaction deeply. And so, this is why every one of us is seeking for it. And so we're trying to find the right job. If I can, if I can be in the right employment, that'll satisfy me. If I could just travel, right? If I could go take trips and see beautiful things. Sometimes it's our own physical fitness or our own beauty that we feel like if I have that, and then we always want newer and bigger things. Why is that? Because we believe that there's got to be something here on earth that can completely satisfy me. And then we look at people. We know I, I, I need relationship then. I need to get married. Or sometimes when we're married, it's like, no, I need a, I need a different one. I need to find somebody who can satisfy me. And that's, so first thing that every one of you, every one of us in this room, we are seeking for life. Number two, every human is seeking for love. Every human being at your core needs to be loved. And what would you do for love? How many of you have done really stupid things for love, right? All of us who are married, remember the stupid things we used to do, right? <laughs> the amount of money you'd spend, the, the, the amount you'd travel, you'd stay up till three or four every morning talking on the phone. I mean, you were looking for love. So here's what we're looking at. Why are we searching here? And what are we actually searching Four. Psalm 72 says this, God, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you will take me in to glory. And this is so good. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, and he is my portion forever. See, guys, here's what we understand about God. When he says, when the psalmist says, earth has nothing I desire besides you, what he's saying is earth can't seem to satisfy my desire. It's not enough. And what's interesting is we find that God is the creator of anything that we deem to be great. Right? So you got the Grand Canyon and you look at this thing and yet you realize that huge thing that's awesome is like this tiny little part of the planet. You gaze out at our stars in our solar system and the Hubble telescope tells us you can't even begin to imagine what's out there. So he's beyond, he's actually created everything that we are in awe of. 
So there's something so much greater. And God is the creator of anything that we find satisfaction in. Everything that we're looking to satisfy us, again, is there to point us who the one who's created. And so, as we talk about heaven, and, 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 and what we realize in this is that we've looked at the glory of relationships with each other. That somehow all this brokenness and all this pain, and all the division that we experience in our human relationships is not going to exist in heaven. It's going to be unbelievable. And then we've also looked at the, the very nature of what heaven's going to be like, the glory and the perfection of everything that we'll experience, smells and sights and sounds and beauty. And we've been looking in this series, if you're new with this, if you haven't been following this, obviously we're just looking right at the Bible because that's where we get our understanding of what heaven is about. But then my buddy, who's a pastor down in Texas, wrote this book called Imagine Heaven. And what he did was he studied over a thousand near-death experiences, people who flatlined, who literally had experienced a death medically, and then came back. And what happened as he studied these is he couldn't believe how the stories that people have match what's in Scripture. So, and here's the interesting thing. People have said, yes, the interaction with people is like you've never had on earth. Yes. When you hear music, it's like there's a thousand songs and yet you can understand all of them. It's, the beauty is beyond. But here's what every person says. But the greatest thing, the greatest thing in heaven is Jesus. It's Jesus. Now remember this as we go into this. There's two things that we'll do anything for, life and love. And there's two things that every person who's had a near-death experiences, says about Jesus after they've seen him. And they say he is light and he is love. So, here's my question for you this morning. You're searching because you're human on a limited planet. Could Jesus actually be what you're searching for? life and love. And before I pull open the scripture, I just want to pray. Can we all pray right now? Let's pray right now that God might meet you in your search, okay? Jesus, thank you. Thanks for this opportunity. God, you know every heart in this room. You know how full or empty each heart is. You know the endless search of each person and what they're looking to, to bring fully alive. And God, I'm just asking right now, I wanna say thank you for Jesus and I'm asking for grace and mercy that today you might do, because there is no word, there is no spoken word that can do justice to try to lift Jesus high enough. But Holy Spirit, that's what you do. You exist to bring glory to Christ. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, just come in each one of our hearts and help us to see what we couldn't see without your help. And I ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right. 
So here's the first thing that happens. Almost every person that comes back from a near-death experience says that they encountered a light, right? Now, you go through all these stories. Every story, there was light. Let me just read one of them. This guy, Dean Braxton, says his heart stopped for over an hour and 45 minutes during a surgery. And here's what he said when he saw Jesus. Jesus is pure light. His brightness was before me, around me, part of me, in me. He is brighter than the noonday sun, but we can still look at him in heaven. I was in Jesus, and Jesus was shining out of me. I would see his brightness. The brightness was all around me. I was part of the brightness, and the brightness was shining out of me, and all of it was life. Now, I, I'm just be totally honest with you. So before, I, I had never thought of near-death experiences before John wrote this book. I've heard of them, you know, and I, you'd always hear, right, there was this tunnel of light, or there was this light. You'd always hear all this light, and I'll be honest with you, I just shrugged it all off. <laughs> I'm like, ah, who knows if that's really the case. But after reading this book, and then you dive into the Bible, and you go, well, why was I shrugging that off? Because the Bible has been saying for thousands of years that very thing. And it wasn't meaning anything to me. So here's what I want to do. Jesus is light. And then we're going to look and see why this is so important. So I'm just going to read a ton of scripture, okay? Just soak in what this means, that Jesus is light. We're going to start in the book of Revelation, which was a revelation that God gave to John, the apostle, who's closest to Jesus, okay? Here's what he writes. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I was dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. Let's go to the Old Testament. Ezekiel, one of God's prophets. God gives him a revelation. He said, above the vault, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of lapsus lazuli, which is a, a jewel. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. And I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal as if full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire. And brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. Isn't that beautiful? This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. 
Another prophet, Daniel, said this, On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. And when Jesus showed up, And he took his three apostles. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as the light. After Jesus died and he rose again, there was a guy named Saul who was persecuting Christians. He was trying this new movement of people, this new religion rising up. Saul was the main man to persecute these guys and killing them, trying to squash this new movement. He tells his story in Acts chapter 2. He says, about noon, as I came near Damascus, he was getting to to Damascus to, again, to, to murder more Christians. Suddenly, a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. John, again, his closest disciple, in his gospel, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In John, he says this, in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And then what does Jesus say about himself? When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Every one of us in this room would do anything to have fullness of life. You are spending right now your time and you're spending your resource, you're spending your energy, you're giving the best that you've got at what you believe will give you life. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Now here was my question all week long. Why light? Why is Jesus light? Well, here's what we know. All of creation is actually his idea. Everything that you see in creation came from his mind. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that he spoke it into being. Now, so what is, an idea, what is a spoken word? A spoken word is an idea that's expressed. That's what you're experiencing right now. See, I got some ideas. <laughs> And I'm speaking them, and as soon as I speak them, you now know what was in my head. So I don't know if God did, got, you know, went sun and it appeared, okay? I don't know if that's how it worked. I, I, I wasn't there, okay? So, but here's what I think the author is saying. By saying that he spoke it into being, he's saying that everything that you can see came from his mind. And here's what we know about creation, you guys. And this is why I love science. I do. Keep going. 
Astrophysicists, the more they study the universe, now they are saying, this has, there has to be a designer. There's no way that all of this could work so perfectly together. So there's nothing wrong with studying science. It's, it's, it's beautiful. But what we understand is, God was saying, but when I created stuff, I was trying to communicate something about me. And so here's what we know about the sun, okay? Without the sun, which is our source of light. If you didn't have the sun, all of us would what? You'd die. See, we know this because without food, we die. And sun, the sun produces the energy through photosynthesis which is the process to make nutrients. Without the sun's light shining on plants, photosynthesis doesn't happen, there's no nutrients, and if there's no nutrients, then there's no plants, that means there's no food, which means we... Now some of you are going, yeah, but I like that meat, right? I like the cows. Well, but, good for you, but what do the cows eat? Plants. You guys understand, this... One of the things, the way that God created, the very energy that causes us to live comes from the light. If the sun stops shining, we die. Here's the other reason we would die, is because without the sun, there's no warmth. So as soon as you get outside in the universe, outer, in outer space, beyond the sun's reach, 450 degrees below zero. So without the sun... There's no life. Light brings us life. Here's the other thing that's so cool about the sun. Can I just ask you guys a question? How many of you are ever anxious or fearful about stuff? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, all of us are. Can I ask you a question? How many of you went to bed last night and you were so anxious and worried because you didn't know if the sun was going to come up this morning? Anybody? See, here's what God did. He created the world so that you would know. You never worry that the sun's going to come up. You know it's going to. Now, you might worry about your job. You might worry about your economic situation. You might worry about your marriage. You might worry about your children. You might be worrying about your health because every night you got to wake up tomorrow and you don't know what's going to happen with all those things. But God created the sun as the one thing that you can know for certain that you never have to worry about. And God is saying, you guys, I am the light of the world. Your job is never going to fully satisfy you. Your marriage is never going to fully satisfy you. Nothing is life but me. So let's just say it right there. Let's suffice it to say, without the Son, we die. And then Jesus says, I am the light of life. I am what makes you fully alive. And you know what's going to happen? In heaven, we're finally going to get it we're finally going to see that it's true. This verse fascinates me. Look at this, Revelation 21, 23. Talking about heaven, it says, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb 
is the lamp. See, guys, we're in awe of our sun and the power of it. We're in awe of the galaxy. And that's like God going, yeah, I I created that. I am the source of the light. I am your life. So, you know what's here is the other thing that's so amazing? Almost every person that has one of these near-death experiences, after they die, when they come back, you know what they say? I never felt more alive. Finally, physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, they feel alive like they never felt on this planet. So here's what I'm going to tell you, man. Jesus is life. And eternal life can start when? Now. He says, if you believe in me, then I, who created you for me, for something greater, if you believe in me, he goes, I will reconcile you back to God and my spirit will come inside of you and finally you'll be satisfied. He says, if you drink of this water that I will give you, you will thirst no more. You'll be satisfied. And so today, if you're here and you're on this endless search and nothing on this planet is working, Jesus has just tried to tell you, yes, I gave you all these things just as a taste. Could Jesus be what you're actually searching for. The next time you stand at the Grand Canyon, the next time you gaze at the stars, the next time you vacation in that beautiful place, the next time you wonder, the next time you actually feel completely known and completely loved, all of those things that make you stand in awe They're just a taste to the one who will give you life. And here's a second thing. He's life, but Jesus is also love. Jesus is love. Every near-death experience, when they come back, I wish I could read all of them. Get the book and read them. Because every person says, I had an experience with love like I can't even explain to you. Every person says that they feel love like they've never felt love before. And every one of us wants that. So Mary Neal, she was a doctor who was on a kayak and it went down and got caught in these rocks in the river and she totally died, right? And she came back. And, and people, John's gonna ask her this question, so what did Jesus look like, right? Because everybody wants to know. Listen to her answer. What did he look like? Everybody wants to know. Everybody asks. I know. And my answer is very clear, even though it's nonsensical. And I would say that he looked like bottomless kindness and compassion. And those are not words that make sense because those aren't words that we use visually, but that is what he looked like. It wasn't a matter of looking at someone and saying, oh, you know, he had brown hair and, you know, whatever. Um, He looked like bottomless kindness and compassion. And in terms of uh, his outward appearance, I would say the same thing as the other people I saw, which is a, a physicality, head, arms, legs. Uh, and again, this, this filamentous robe exploding with love. Robe, what the Old Testament, oh, what all these prophets, all these people in the Bible say, had this robe, filamentous. What is he? Light. And what is he? Love. Okay. Listen to these verses, you guys. Every one of you. Because you're human. 
wants life and love. Why? Okay, listen to this. John, his closest apostle, says, I am writing you a new command, and its truth is seen in Jesus and in you. Because, why? The truth is seen. Why? Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. It's already here, guys. It's already, you can already see it. (laughs) Really? Light? That brings me life? What is it? Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still living in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. When you love, you're in the light that brings life. It goes on, it says, we know that we have passed from death to life. Now catch this. We know we have. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to once we die, right, and we're buried in the ground. He's not talking about then. He goes, we can know right now that we've passed from death to life. You can have life now. How? Because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. So if you're sitting here today and you have hatred in your heart, bitterness, unforgiveness, and you can't love somebody, what he's saying is, that's not life. And you know it, right? Because your life is miserable when you hate somebody. (laughs) You wish they were miserable, but you're the one who's miserable. You're the, you're the one who says, man, I'm going to kill you by drinking poison. You guys ever heard that? So there's no eternal life. It's in the light, and that light is love. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because, and here's the key, God is love. And then he goes, and this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. You guys, you want love. You want to be fully known and you want to be fully loved. And I want to tell you what, that's what's so frustrating because this is, this is an absolutely fascinating comprehension. All of us are searching. In our search, you guys, we're all searching for validation. Every person, I don't care how rich you are, I don't care how successful you are, I don't care how many friends you have, I don't care if you feel completely lonely and isolated. Every one of us needs to know that we're accepted, that we're esteemed, we want to be desired, we want to be adored, we want to be liked. And I want to tell you, man, it is absolutely, as I was thinking about this this week, it is beyond my comprehension to even begin to imagine what it would be like to be loved like this. I've said this before, but can you, let's, let's think about it. Can you imagine being fully known and loved? Because what would happen if anybody in this room, I, I was thinking about, if every one of you in this room knew me, and loved me. 
can't even comprehend. You know why I can't comprehend that? Because let's, how about you? What if we just watched you for the last 24 hours? What if we had a camera on everything you've ever done and everything you thought just yesterday and we were going to put it up on the screen? (laughs) What would you do? I can tell you what you do. You would run out of this room immediately and you would never come back to K2. (laughs) Because you know if anybody actually really saw all of you are, there's no way they would love you. And yet in heaven, everyone there will know you and they'll love you. Jesus knows everything about you and he loves you right now. And I think that's why the Bible says you need power to even grasp this love because it's beyond your knowledge. Because every human experience is not like God. He loves you now as you are. But he also loves you so much that he wants to help you move in to life. You guys, he simply wants to rescue you from the stuff that's destructing, destroying your life. From every destructive behavior that you have. That's his love. Now here's, last week we showed this guy. His name's Howard Storm. Howard was a vowed atheist professor who had a near-death experience. And if you, if you weren't here last week, he actually had a hellish near-death experience. And it was horrific for him. But after he was led down this darkness, he finally got to a point where that experience changed. Jesus is light and love, okay? Let's listen to this atheist tell us about his experience. And when that came to me, out of utter desperation, no theology, no understanding, no nothing, just desperation. Because you've been a devout atheist. (laughs) You know, it's like, I want that. I want what I had when I was a kid, you know, which I had mocked and denounced and ridiculed my whole adult life and tried to turn my students away from that to my shame. Um, and I called out, Jesus, please save me. And with that, a tiny light appeared in the darkness and it got brighter and brighter and brighter and came over me. And out of this light came um, hands and arms and he reached down and touched me. And when he touched me, all the gore, which I had not seen before, but now saw in his indescribably brilliant brightness, just dissolved away. And physically I became whole, but much more importantly than that was as he touched me, I was filled with his love, which is indescribably greater than any love I've ever... I wish I had another word, because the love that we experience in this world is not comparable to his love, which is so overwhelming. And the hands went underneath me, around my back, and he picked me up. Held me like a mom, like a dad, and held me hard up against him. And I put my arms around him and held him, and he loved me and made me know that it's okay. And he was like rubbing my back, and it was sort of like, it's it's all right now, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's real as... Oh, I love him. And 
As he was doing that, we started to leave this place of nothing but torment and pain and agony. And as we're traveling up, I see off in the distance this enormous center of light with all kinds of activity around it, like a mega galaxy of light. And I go, oh, I'm such a piece of garbage. He's made a terrible mistake. I don't why, belong did, why did you say that? Because I was. I mean, <laughs> Jesus came into, I'm not talking about a trash heap. I'm talking a garbage dump. I'm talking a cesspool of filth. And he touched me. Why would he touch me? I'm filth. And he restored me. And he loved me. And he's taking me there and I thought, he's made a terrible mistake. He should put me back where I belong. And he spoke to me. And he said, we don't make mistakes. You do belong. And I'm like, and I go, and I realized I hadn't said that. I had thought that. And I thought, I thought that. Do you know what I think? And he said, I know everything you've ever thought. <laughs> and I went, oh no, that's bad. <laughs> Can I tell him what I thought next? Yeah, tell him. <laughs> I thought it's about so <laughs> a woman without her clothes on. And he thought that was so funny. <laughs> Jesus thought it was funny. And I thought, he thinks I'm funny. <laughs> and it was like so great. And I thought, if he knows everything I've ever thought, I've got nothing to hide. It's good. I mean, we're, we're, we're tight. And I just want to, <laughs> I just want to say that, you know, people talk about his love all the time, but I want to introduce a different word in here. Really, a really complex, important word. He likes us. Mm. He, he made me. I mean, and I, I knew, and he explained this to me very deliberately and carefully, that he made me. He, and he doesn't make junk, and he likes me. He does not like the things that I do that are destructive to myself, destructive to the people that I'm in relationship with, or destructive in God's plan and purpose and love for me. He doesn't like those. He doesn't like our sin, but he loves us and likes us. And the reason why he doesn't like the sin is he wants us to be better than that. Mm. You know, he just wants us to be wonderful. And um, that's what I've been trying to do. And of course, um, I've had lots of failures and I've had a few successes. But the thing that I know, and he made it really clear to me, is the intention, the effort to be good, to be loving, to be kind, to follow him is what pleases him, not the success. It's, it's been really hard for me to figure this all out, but I want to pass this on. He doesn't expect me to be Billy Graham or, you know, anything. He just wants me to be really good Howard, you know? Just That's like, very free. Just, just like my mom wanted me. Just, she didn't want to care what I became just as long as I was a good, a good one. 
Well, and 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 there in that in that place, you had a life review in front of Jesus that will will I actually got to capture, and we'll talk about the the last week. Um, so he sent you back, right? And it changed your life radically. Just yeah, how would you I, sum that up? After, immediately after the experience, when, I mean, this is just a, when I awoke from the surgery, I knew that I had a challenge in front of me because one thing I knew was that I could just deny this whole thing, but I knew I couldn't do that because the most important real thing that ever happened in my life had just happened to me and I knew I, knew I couldn't live with denying that. So I had to live it. So what do I do? I've got, to, I've got to change. I'm 38 years old. I've invested 38 years of my life into being who I was. And now I've got to like re-examine everything and make a lot of really radical changes. And um, it, it's been a long and difficult process, which has cost me um, everything. And I've gained everything in losing everything. Yeah. So it's been it's been an interesting ride. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, just sitting and hearing your story yesterday was so encouraging to me, and I know I know has been incredibly encouraging to everybody. So just want to let's thank Howard for taking the time to be with us. So here's a guy who has absolutely no belief that there's anything after this world. And he runs into light and love. Man, and I love it when he says, Jesus came to me, a garbage dump. Now some of you, that's what you needed to hear. Because man, you've been looking in the mirror and every time you look in the mirror, the person who looks back at you, you feel like that, you are so frustrated with yourself. You feel like you're nothing but a failure. You can't be what you want to be and you feel like you've done so many things that are wrong. And then I love it. Howard says, why would he touch me? Well, because you guys, he's love. And his love isn't waiting for you to try to be good. He's not asking you to clean yourself up. He's saying, please stop trying to be religious to impress me. He goes, I actually just love you. And then he says, the most important real thing that ever happened to me, it was life. He held me like a mom. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. You know, I was thinking about my mom. So my mom passed away, so Mother's Day is always a little weird for me, right? Because she's not here. And when my mom died, she was the one person on this planet who I knew loved me. And then she was gone. And then God gave me her. And now there's someone else who knows me way better than my mom ever did. <laughs> okay, you're laughing too hard. <laughs> and she loves me. And I want to say this, man. I can't, I can't even imagine trying to live on this planet without her. But here's what I feel like God's been saying to me. 
I'm so glad, David, that you've enjoyed your appetizer. (laughs) Your taste of true love that one day will be a never-ending feast. Susie, she's like the trailer, and someday I'm going to get to watch the movie. I mean that. Being with her and being loved by her lets me know. It's like a trailer. And God goes, yes, it's a taste. Any good thing you've ever had, it's a taste of what is going to be in fullness and reality because it's me. I think he's saying to every one of us in here, get ready, you guys, that drop of love that you've tasted here on earth will one day be an ocean that you will swim in and you will be engulfed in and you will be alive. And every one of us is going to die. And he wants every one of you to know without a shadow of a doubt that that's your destiny. Do you know it? I love what Peter said. He goes, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to do next, right at the end. We're going to praise him because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We can have a living hope. You guys, that means right now, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, you can live with hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because when he died, then he rose again, he assured us, you guys, there's something beyond this, and I'm alive right now. And then he goes on to say, you, you have this resurrection of Christ from the dead, you get a living hope into that and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You can have an inheritance right now and it'll never perish, spoil, or fade. Your health is going to. Your job will. Your relationships might. Everything you're anxious about, everything you're worried about is because it might perish, spoil, or fade. But God wants you and I to have a living hope of an absolute certainty of an inheritance that I am, once I die, going to get into the presence of light and love that I was created for. So today, today, I hope every one of you has a living hope in the light and in the life and in the love of Jesus Christ. That's why the psalmist said, whom have I in heaven? but you, Jesus. And earth has nothing that I desire but you. All your desires. All your desires. Jesus wants to satisfy. So Lord, Thank you. As we wonder what's going to happen to us after we die, 
as we wonder, why does nothing satisfy me? As we wonder, why did I lose that job? Why do I have this illness? Why did that person leave me? God, thank you that in the midst of all of our questions, you come to us and say, nothing else is the light of life but me. No one will ever love you at the depth that I love you. So Jesus, we worship you. We can't wait to see you. And we're so grateful that we can know you now as we wait for that great day. We love you in your name. Amen. So guys, this song is one for you just to absorb, to reflect on, to allow your heart to engage with God, enjoy it, enjoy the beauty of it. We're going to take our offering while we do. And I'm going to tell you more and more and more. Because many of us, really, it's this money thing that we're putting our hope in that we get most anxious about and fearful about. There's no life in this. It's a great means to do wonderful things. But I think this is why it's such a beautiful opportunity for us to go, thank you, God. But I want to tell you, man, when you start feeling the life of God and the light and his love inside you, man, you just want to love him back. And really, that's all this is. This offering is for those who love him, and it's just our chance to love him back, okay? So let's do that, and let's enter into a time now. Because here's what God says, you guys. We're going to praise God. And here's what he says. I inhabit the praise of my people. He's going to come, and he's going to be with us in these next minutes as we praise him. All right? Let's do it.